Hey everybody and welcome back to Eating Salads. I'm Austin Crosby. Today we have a homemade salad that contains many ingredients. It has spinach, heirloom tomato, sun-dried tomato, sunflower seeds, garbanzo beans, pepperoncini, falafel bites, and jalapeno sauce. Mm -mm -mm. And cucumber. Sometimes you don't know what's on your salad really until you start mixing it up. And you can you can use that. You can say that to people if you ever need to. I feel like since last episode, I have finished a couple of season finales of shows that I was watching and also seen that movie Jojo Rabbit. I will say that I believe Jojo Rabbit is my favorite kids movie. Uh, it's right up there with Ratatouille. I think that the reverence and tone that film uses to deal with subject matters such as the Holocaust and Nazi Germany is much more effective than, for example, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas or The Diary of Anne Frank. You know, of course, I don't want to give any spoilers, so we won't really talk about the plot, even though you pretty much get it from the trailers. It is just a goofy, fun movie where people laugh a lot. Jokes are made. One motif of Jojo Rabbit that really interested me was how throughout the film, especially in the beginning, everyone would say, oh, Jojo, you're such a handsome boy. You're such a beautiful little handsome boy, including his imaginary Hitler friend, right? Because he was such a little Aryan, and all the propaganda made him feel superior. But then he gets slightly disfigured, and everyone calls him a monster or ugly, and his face, which is, you know, slightly scarred, becomes the point of ridicule. I think it was a bit curious to have vanity play such a large part in a children's movie, or at least a movie about a 10-year-old child. And I find that talking about actors' appearances critically in a film is a little risky because it can go either way. For example, in The Witcher, they talk about Yennefer being so ugly and like a little piglet when she was young. But the audience can see that she just has something in her cheek and is walking with a hunchback. So it doesn't really connect. Whereas in Jojo Rabbit, you are of course all aware that this is like a very handsome little boy who will grow up to be very handsome, etc. But because he's so young, you are like, yeah, man, if you had scars like that on your face, it would be devastating. Like, he's not old enough to see that that scar is just kind of a cool feature on his face and doesn't actually detract from his perfect symmetry. And I would say in general, too, the film looks at things very much through the lens of a child, including, you know, Hitler as his imaginary friend. And in that, you can see especially in the scenes without Jojo, how everyone else comparably feels, right? Whether it's Sam Rockwell or Scarlett Johansson's character, it can be kind of refreshing and illuminating to see what other people say about Jojo. Because well, one example is in a scene where his mother, Scarlett Johansson, calls him a fanatic. And of course, on one tier, that's comical, because how funny is it for a little boy to be a fanatical Nazi, right? At the same time, it's extremely relatable because almost every person has dealt with a child becoming radicalized in their ignorance towards some goal. Now, of course, it's very poignant to have this in Nazi Germany 
where you're dealing with issues of if the child will report his mother for harboring a Jewish refugee. Personally, though, it reminded me of D.A.R.E. programs in America, which, of course, isn't as extreme as life or death. But for a lot of people, that is your first kind of run-in with the state telling you to rat out somebody. And I remember as a kid thinking it was so absurd that we would have these D.A.R.E. rallies in middle school. And it very much seemed like the school and this association was trying to get you, hey, if you see your parents doing something, let us know. It'll be okay. Which I think is terrifying even for people who do not, you know, support drug use. The concept that the school will try and have your children rat you out. That theme worked really well in a film where we had a protagonist that was otherwise ignorant of the way the world works and what was going on, but whom we saw subjected to hardcore brainwashing techniques. And interestingly enough, the film's setting is at the end of the war. So from the very get-go, you're made aware that realistic, pragmatic adults believe they're about to lose this war and that they're losing footing. And so there's always this underlying subtext of the adult's perspective where they know that this is kind of ridiculous, what they're going through, which butts up against JoJo's imaginary Hitler friend, who is this idealistic projection. So that was a lot of fun. I'm also drinking black coffee today. Of course, Stephen Merchant's character was pretty funny. Sam Rockwell's character was, you know, very thoughtfully acted. And they also did that thing where they had the overweight girl in this movie. But it wasn't such a thing where the joke about her was her overweightness. She actually held that back. And I don't think they cracked a single fat joke. So the repeated imagery of children in Nazi garb came eventually to a close with the use of children's soldiers. It was a really successful visual metaphor representing the childishness of radicalization. And, you know, you can still get a laugh out of it. There's a scene where Jojo dresses up in a little cardboard robot outfit and goes around town collecting pot metal for the war effort. And that's perfect situational comedy. It's such a cute little thing that I wonder if... actually I mean, must have actually happened. But I've not seen documentation, photos of that happening in the real world. I wonder if they actually exist. So, I guess in closing on that, Jojo Rabbit, two thumbs up, goes right up there to me with the life aquatic, but for children. I mean, of course adults will appreciate it, but you can see what I'm getting at. I just remember being inundated with World War II content, especially Holocaust content in grade school. Year after year, it seemed like all we talked about Everything was in relation to World War II. Any historical atrocity was compared to the Holocaust. That was your measuring stick. But then you'd have to watch movies like The Boy in Striped Pajamas or some boring documentary about Auschwitz. And I'm saying every year it seemed like we would have one class where what they wanted to do was play you some variation on the Anne Frank theme. And this should replace that. This should be the movie that every grade school teacher shows. And then every kid can go, yeah, we've, we saw it last year. It's our favorite movie, actually. Let's, let's watch it again. Such a cute little movie. You know, sunflower seeds really go well in a salad. Maybe it's the photosynthesis in the word sunflower that I know all of these plants come from the energy of the sun, which in turn dried these tomatoes.
we snuck some candy into the movie, and I had some delicious Trader Joe's espresso beans covered in chocolate. And I guess there's a whole other conversation to be had here, addressing my feelings on movie theaters and how they could look to improve in the future. Because I have this fantasy of someday owning a movie theater that does things exactly how I would envision. One of those things is the seats, the general idea of stadium seating, where everyone sits in these very low-quality, cost-oriented plastic seats that fold up. And I am familiar with movie theaters that use those reclining leather seats. I'm really more opposed to them than traditional movie theater seating, which I know some people might think is counterintuitive, but I, I really believe that you have to be honest with what you are putting on offer. And those seats are full of lies. They're not actually that comfortable. They squeak when they recline. They're dirty. I don't really want to rest my head on it or, or get too cozy, but I know that other more disgusting people already have and will. And the whole thing is just a bit of a turnoff. At least those gross bus seats that are in most movie theaters are more honest. And I kind of know what I'm getting into when I sit down on those. I come home, I immediately take my clothes off and wash them, scrub myself. But you don't necessarily have that feeling when you go to a luxury hotel. And in the lobby, they have enough seating capacity for a hundred or so people, but it's all actually impressive seating. So that's part of the vision too, is to have a seating arrangement where you don't have to shimmy past people to go to the bathroom, where you don't feel disgusted to sit on the seats, where you have enough space and not someone sitting directly in front of you, maybe more organic and truthful and impressive. I want people to come into a movie theater and be impressed by the seating on offer. To be bummed if someone got the coolest seat in the room, not the one that's front and center. But whatever. Put that into the shoebox of great ideas that I keep hidden. So waiting for funding. So if you're out there and you're thinking, wow, we want to really do the best movie theater in the world. Hey, reach out. Because I know exactly what it would be like. Well, I'm done with my salad, guys. It was good. I'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you so much. Be safe. Have a good day.